page 628 of the church bibles this morning 628 psalm 19 we'll start in verse 7 uh real quick uh, the report on amanda haynes is that she is still at, i guess she's at harris because they're close to cook's children's i guess harris hospital in fort worth and so uh so far so good her blood pressure has stabilized and i think the doctor's just going to hold on and hopefully she can make it further down the pregnancy and maybe that little baby will be a little older before they have to go uh, get that baby here so we'll keep praying the lord works his will in that situation got an awesome verse this morning starts in verse 7 goes through 11. <clears throat> the law of the lord is perfect converting the soul the testimony of the lord is sure 
making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is wearied, and in keeping them there is great reward. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and for time together and the freedom we have to gather and give you worship and praise. And uh, Lord, I'm reminded to thank you more for our good health that we have. Most of the time, Lord, we go along and don't even think about how we go through each day. And you bless us with good health. So I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And uh, we pray for Amanda and the doctors attending her, that your hand would be evident to all that's around her and Daniel. And, uh, uh, Lord, they would see that your hand will allow this baby to get older and for the risk to go down. And, Lord, even after the pregnancy, Lord, I pray for healing for Amanda's body uh, and this uh, these kidneys that are not functioning, Lord, we pray your hand over that. Ultimately, as we always pray, Lord, um, that you would bring healing physically and spiritually to that family in this situation. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for uh, your promises of your word. And, Lord, the great blessing that goes from honoring your word in our lives. We pray for strength and guidance, Lord, as we know without your strength, uh, we cannot get that done. And so we thank you for your hand and your spirit that you give us to lead us, and we pray you give us all that we need to give all we can to you and to live every day for you with all of our strength and with all of our soul. We bless you. We thank you for this day. Lord, I pray your presence and your spirit is fully welcome here in each of our hearts and that, Lord, you would just uh, transform our hearts today by your truth. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Let me see if I can, am I turned on? Okay, good. <laughs> Sometimes I forget whether I did or didn't. <laughs> so that's awesome. Great morning of praise, and uh, I'm so excited for the message that we have here today, but as I was singing back there and uh, just listening to the words of these songs, and particularly these last two songs, and the the one right before the last song said, you will always be holy forever, and then the last song was, you are holy Lord forever, forever holy. And um, both of these just continuing to remind us of his holiness. And we've talked of this before, that holiness is something that's kind of hard for us to grab hold of. We're not sure what that really means. But uh, when we start to define it, we define it by things of our understanding, right? And um, the Lord was just showing me, he said, you know, what holy means is truly to be set apart. So God is forever set apart. Set apart from us. Set apart from the world. Set apart from sin. Set apart from anything we can even understand or imagine. He is set apart. And I loved thinking about that, and I loved kind of seeing that we can't define him by our understandings. He's set apart from that. He's set apart. That's what holiness is. He cannot be apart because he's holy. I've thought about that as I was singing because... And it really brought me to tears because I thought so many times I've heard me say and I just remembered the power in this place that he does love us. But he, his love cannot overrule his holiness. Sometimes when we think we're okay right where we are, because of God's great love. We are gravely mistaken because his holiness will not allow for us to remain in the darkness we're in. He is separate. He is set apart from the darkness. So last week... <clears throat> I want to just review just a little bit. We began last week with studying Yom Kippur, which actually will begin tonight at sundown. So Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, begins at sundown tonight. So we will fast starting at sundown tonight through tomorrow until sundown tomorrow evening. And then you can break your fast with a meal and with food and drink. And um, <clears throat> we talked a little bit last week about this word where it says afflict your soul. And that understanding is understanding of fasting in that we 
bow down to what God desires instead of allowing our flesh, flesh to reign and saying these are the things we need, but bowing down to what God calls us to. And um, <clears throat> we talked last week about this word of afflicting, that it means it's anaw, A-N-A-H, anaw. And it means to bow down. It means to submit. And so this time of fasting that begins tonight is not just a time for us to work through a place of not eating. Sometimes you can go to the doctor. <clears throat> they call you to fast. That means you have to just, in order to align with the doctor, you have to submit to that, and you choose to not eat between the hours that they told you to not eat. But that's not what Leviticus is talking about. Leviticus is talking about a place of commitment, a place of submitting, a place of bowing down, a place of beating down the flesh that we might surrender to him, to the great I am, to the one who is set apart. This place of bowing down <clears throat> has to be more than just not eating or drinking food. It has to be a place that we are bowed down to his holiness, that we might come and seek out the places inside of us that he wants to cast out. Because just because he loves us, he's not okay with us staying and remaining in the darkness. But he desires for us to see the darkness that we can come before him and he will cast out these places. I talked a little bit about this last week, but there is a great difference between Passover and Day of Atonement. And Passover was a place of deliverance out of captivity by the blood of the Lamb. and by obedience to his plan. That is the same thing that brings us out of sin today, is that by the blood of the Lamb, God's desire is to lead us out of captivity through obedience to his plan. Day of Atonement, if you remember, as we talked last week, is where the priest, one time a year, would go into the Holy of Holies. In fact, it was such a holy place that they would tie a rope around his leg in case he went in and there was sin upon him that he would die in the Holy of Holies. They had to have some way to get him out because no one else could go in. So if he did die in there, they couldn't go in and get him. 
So when they would tie a rope around his ankle, that if he goes in there and if he is not in alignment with the Lord, you remember we read last week that he had to bring an offering for himself and he had to be in totally white clothing and he had to bathe and wash before he went in. All pictures of being sanctified, of being cleansed. And he went in first with this uh, sacrifice that had been given for himself. And then he went in and sprinkled the blood seven times on the altar for the nation of Israel. I've thought about that many, many, many years and tried to understand the difference. And I've heard many teachings on it and, and never could really grab hold until a couple of years ago. And the Lord began to help me see that the difference between Passover and atonement is for the nation. It's for the nation. For the people who have surrendered in obedience to come out of captivity, to be delivered out of captivity, to be saved, if you will, over here at Passover. And yet, as we walk, we find ourselves in sin. The Day of Atonement is a covering only for the nation of Israel. What does that mean to us today? Paul talked about that. In fact, maybe, I, maybe we can look at that. I might have that in my notes. Oh, I do. That's awesome. <laughs> so leave your... Um, well, we haven't gone anywhere, have we? Let's go to page 1305, Romans. I was studying in these places this morning and yet not thinking I would actually teach in these places, but I, I feel so strong that the Lord wants us to be reminded of these very important places. Romans 11, page 1305, verse 26. And Paul is writing... And he says in verse 26, he says, And so all Israel will be saved. Let's read right above here. We're going to actually teach on this in a couple of weeks and how the Gentiles are grafted in. So verse 25 says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. So what Paul is saying is that the Jewish people have in part been blinded that the Gentiles could be brought in, that all of Israel could be saved. You see, the Gentiles 
those who have been led out of their sin, out of the captivity, out of the darkness, and delivered out of this place that held you in bondage to sin and brought you into salvation, you are grafted into Israel. So now when Day of Atonement, when we read that, and we say, what does that have to do with us today? And you realize that the priest, who is Jesus, is the high priest, is making intercession for the sins that you have continued to walk in ignorantly. We talked about that last week. It's not a place of allowing us to continue to stay in our sin. That is not what Day of Atonement is about. But rather, it was a place of where they came and they sacrificed one goat or one lamb to be the lamb for the Lord. And that lamb was uh, sacrificed on the altar for the sins of Israel. The other goat or lamb, there was a string tied around that had red, it was a red little uh, sash that was tied around its throat. And then the priest would go and lay his hands on the goat. And he would place the sins of the nation. Not that they could remain in those sins, but that those sins would be cast out of the presence of the nations. That's the picture in atonement. So he would come and lay the sins upon the goat, upon Jesus. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he took all the sins of the world. Not just the sins that were going to have been up to that point, but all the sins that it would ever be were upon him. He was both the sacrifice and he was the one that could take away the sins from Israel. From those who choose to come under his covering. You see, Day of Atonement means covering. And I began to understand that a couple of years ago. I thought, yes, for those who are willing to be covered by his blood, there is an offering. But those who are willing to repent of their sins, then the goat is led out of the camp. The goat is led out of the camp with the sins. And they would guard the camp. They would actually send men, other priests out there to guard the camp. That if the goat tried to come back, they would continue to shoo it away. That goat could not bring those sins back into the people, into the nation, into the people who are the family of God. You see, Day of Atonement is a great place of God's plan because of his great love. But because of his holiness, he cannot allow us to remain in our darkness and come into that oneness with him.
So if you've been saved at one point in time, if you've been delivered out of the darkness, and, and if you've surrendered your life truly to him, then you have the opportunity to come into the Day of Atonement. If you've not, Day of Atonement means nothing to you. It's not for you. Day of Atonement is only for the nation of Israel, of whom the Gentile church is grafted into and becomes all of Israel. Jews and Gentiles, one in Yeshua. Sometimes, sometimes we have this idea that because we're saved, we're no longer under God's judgment. I want to look at another scripture on page 1329. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. On page 1329. So sometimes we have it in our mind that at some point in time we made a commitment to Jesus. It looked like that we were honestly surrendering our lives and bowing down to Him, but that is not the case. Because we would choose to continue in our own sin. And it tells us in Leviticus 23 that when those who have not afflicted their soul have not bowed down, they'll be cut off from the nation. I want to show you that too, but I'll show you this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For we must all, you see that word right there, all? I love that understanding. It means all. It means everyone. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what has been done, whether good or are bad. Okay, he is he is talking about, I believe, an understanding here that goes beyond the physical body that he's been talking about living as a tent. But I think he's talking about what has been done in the body, in the name of Christianity, in the name of a follower of Jesus, in the name of a believer. So I believe that Paul is saying we're going to have to all be judged whether you are in, in, uh, in, in the, as a follower of Jesus or if you're not a follower of Jesus, you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive whatever has been done, 
whatever you have lived, whatever you've actually portrayed, you have to answer for this place according to whether it's good or bad. It'll all be laid out there. And I saw in this place something I'd never seen before in the last few weeks, and I saw that this is the place that will be the cry of your heart out of Day of Atonement. That when you stand before Christ, the question will not be, are you saved? And you will say, yes, on this day I was baptized and on this day I was surrendering my life. No, that's not what the question is. The question is, is that God is going to call you up and you will be, everything that has been good and everything that has been bad will be laid out. But those who have been under the day of atonement... There is a covering. Those that have been working day by day, year by year, that things that are not of Christ would be cast out of them. That things would only be for him. That they would walk in trying to do the goodness, not of us, but the goodness of him. That the day of atonement would bring a covering in that day of judgment. That your life would reflect who he is. And so as we begin this place tonight, what a great place for us to begin to think about in this time. of Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. Lord, show me. Show me the places that are not of you. Show me the darkness that is in me. That I might come and afflict my soul. Beat down my flesh so that I don't return to this darkness. But rather this darkness would be because of what you did, your sacrifice. It would be placed upon you and it would be sent out as far as the east is from the west. That that sin would not have any authority in me anymore and I would guard as a priesthood, against that sin coming back into my camp. By your power. We were singing that song today, and I, I love that the Lord pulled all these songs together because I thought, Lord, I see these places I've been reading this morning and studying over. The power, it's your power that brings freedom, and it's your power that gives us the strength to continue to beat down the flesh. But only when we choose to bow in this place.
Well, that really wasn't my message I didn't think for today. I was studying some for my own understanding, but I thought we were going to teach on tabernacles today, and I want to share with you a little bit. But I pray that you would hear that the Lord has brought these words out for us to be uh, sober-minded about this day that, that starts tonight and ends tomorrow. Some of you may take medications and, and it's impossible for you to go on a fast, in a full fast. The, the, how much you eat and what you eat is not the point of it. It's a point of where you can come and beat down the flesh in some ways. And food is a big place that, that we fight and battle. So maybe it's coffee that you can give up coffee for the next day and you will not do coffee to beat down the flesh. Maybe it's iced tea. I don't know what it might be. But some of you may take medications that it won't allow you to physically be able to do a full fast. But I promise you, if you seek the Lord, he will show you. Maybe it's chocolate. He will show you. But I would encourage you, if you don't have a medical concern, then I would encourage you to seek the Lord and to help you that you might walk fully in this place, beating down the flesh. It's so funny what we hear when we start on these fasts. Oh, you're not going to make it. You, you're going to be... You're very thirsty. Did you get a drink right before we started this fast? Oh, my goodness, you're not going to make it. you got to have a drink. you got to have some food. Are you feeling lightheaded? Do you need something to eat? Or is your blood sugar off? Or you got to have something? You know, just the enemy begins to, to gnaw at you. Because of the way we are made, food sustains us. But that is the picture in this place, God says, beat this down. I'm the one who sustains you. If you are bowed down. I do want to show you this place in Leviticus. I, I, um, Leviticus 23. Yes, it's on page 140. Verse 29, it's a chapter 23, verse 29 on page 140. And it's talking about Day of Atonement. And uh, in fact, let's start in 28. It says, you shall, do no customer, you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the Day of Atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. So we would say, well, what does that mean in today's time? Back then, I know exactly what it meant. You didn't fast. You got cut off from the people. You were sent out of the camp. You could not be a part. 
But what I see so clearly in today's understanding, the pictures that Paul says we're looking for, is that he's saying the person who's not truly bowed down, who's not truly submitted to Jesus, is cut off from the nation. Day of Atonement is not for you. Because you chose not to bow down in your flesh. You chose to remain in your sin. You chose to continue. So when you so God is giving you this day of atonement to say, come and repent of the places that you're in. Change where you are. Don't be ignorant in these places. Okay, so it, as um, we continue reading in Leviticus, starting in verse 33, right down from there, talks about um, Feast of Tabernacles. And what I love about understanding these places is that at the very end of Feast of Tabernacles, let me, I mean, uh, Day of Atonement, it says to celebrate, let me see if I can, uh, yeah, verse 32, I want you to see this. It says, uh, on Day of Atonement, it says, it shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest, that, and you shall afflict your soul on the ninth day of the month at evening, which is tonight, it'll start tonight at evening, and from evening to evening you shall celebrate your Sabbath. It says, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. And I, I taught about this just a little bit last week because what I saw is if you truly understand atonement, it's a celebration. That God, that you would create a plan for me who has not walked in your ways and a place that you would show me the the darkness that is in me, and I would come and celebrate this place. What a joy to come and celebrate what God is doing in cleansing me. So in this place where it's solemn, it is a solemn time. It, it, it is a time to be in complete rest in who he is, trusting that he will show you, that he will help you to understand this place. But it's also a time of great celebration, that he would show me, that he would show me where I have walked out of alignment with him. So verse 33 starts on Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, Feast of Tabernacles begins next Friday night. So Day of Atonement starts tonight at sundown till tomorrow night at sundown. Feast of Tabernacles is five days after that and will be next Friday night. And Bill and Kathy have so offered this year to for us to celebrate outside in their um, backyard. And I believe we're going to do that, the Lord willing. Um, and I don't see any rain in the forecast, so I think, 
I think the Lord has opened up this understanding that this is where we'll go this year. And so we'll meet out at Bill and Kathy's. If you need addresses, let me know. We'll get those addresses to you. We'll meet there at 6 o'clock, and um, we'll celebrate outside. As in understanding how they celebrated in the sukkahs, and we'll talk about that a little bit, and we'll see the provision that God has and the coverings that he has in his heavens. So let's read starting in verse 33. By the way, let me say this. If you're coming to Feast of Tabernacles on Friday night, we are having fajitas, and so we need to place the order for that this week. If you can please sign up before you leave today, there's a place to sign up in the back. We need to know who's coming and uh, so that we can order the right amount of food. Okay, verse 33, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, the 15th day of this seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days, you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And on the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation. And you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work on it. Now, I love pointing this out every year, but I want you to see right here, it says, on the, for the seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And it's also said in verse 34 that this is the 15th day, uh, the 15th day, of this seventh month, it shall be a feast of tabernacles for seven days, right? So everybody sees that the Lord says the feast of tabernacles is seven days. And then he says on the eighth day. I just think that is so fun because he says it's a seven-day fast. And then he says, oh, yeah, by the way, the eighth day. And so next Sunday, we'll teach on the eighth day and that understanding. But the pictures in tabernacle is a completion, and so the seventh is a picture of completion, as we'll uh, see today. Verse 37 says, And these are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocation, to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering, a drink offering, a sacrifice, and a drink offering, everything on its day. Besides the Sabbaths, of the Lord besides your gifts, besides your vows, besides all your free will, off, free will offerings, which you will give to the Lord. Also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruits of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day, there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourself on the first day of the fruit of the beautiful trees and the branches of palm trees and the boughs of the leafy trees and the willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in, seven, in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So a couple of things I want to point out through our reading here is, first of all, in verse 
42, it says, You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All you who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths. So if you're not a native Israelite, you don't have to actually go out and dwell in a booth in the sukkahs. But um, if you are native Israelite, and you would find this happening all across our nation in people who are native um, Israel, uh, Israelites and people over in Israel are doing this as well. They are living in booths. And um, these would be three-sided little um, temporary buildings. And then they put over the leaves of the, um, of the trees and lay those over for the, the roof. And that way you can see through and see the glory of God and all his majestic heavenly host in the, in the sky above you, the stars and the moon and the sky and all of the things that he allows us to, to see. But you can also see all the surrounding around you, the trees and the, and the grass. And, and, uh, but he wants the Israelites to be reminded, but he wants us to be reminded as well that they lived in the wilderness in the booths when God brought them out of Egypt. So when Moses led them out of Egypt, God provided for them in the wilderness. And this is a picture of reminding them that he provided. And so as we celebrate tabernacles on Friday night and rejoice, it will be in a place of seeing his provision that he provides for us even when we're in the wilderness, even when we're in the difficult times in our life. But um, he doesn't want to leave us in the wilderness. He wants to remind us that he was there in the wilderness to bring us out of the wilderness. Does that make sense? So that's what he wants to remind the children of Israel, that he was with them in the, in the wilderness and he was providing for them as he brings them into the promised land. So Feast of Tabernacles is a great place to be reminded that God is with us in the wilderness. Where is this wilderness? It's here. It's in the world we live in. And that's why it's good to be able to look around you and see the world that we're living in. It's the wilderness. But God is providing us uh, understanding in tabernacles that he is protecting us, he is providing for us, and he is bringing us through this wilderness into the pictures of the fullness of tabernacles that he will come and dwell with his people again. So this understanding of Feast of Tabernacles, the word tabernacle is a uh, word um, in the Greek, Greek is skenu. And it means to dwell. So tabernacle means to dwell. And I want to show you on, let's see, let's look at John 1. It's on page 1220. Put your marker here. We're going to come back to this one and go to page 1220.
I want you to see in uh, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word, and who is the Word? That's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is this word skenu, and it means to tabernacle. So what happened when Jesus came the first time is that the Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And, he, and we beheld the glory and the glory as the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when Jesus came to earth and was born of a virgin, he tabernacled with man. He dwelt among us. So this place of Feast of Tabernacles and the understanding, and we'll get into this a little bit more next week, is this place of Jesus is coming back to tabernacle with his people. With his people. He will rule and reign a thousand years. And the millennial kingdom is an understanding of the promised land that we are moving through this wilderness into that promised land. And they dwelled in temporary buildings. So you are here in temporary tents and temporary bodies and dwelling in the wilderness in this place as Jesus promises to return and bring us back into the fullness of the understanding of tabernacles into he will dwell with his people and his kingdom will reign here. All right, a couple of other things I want to leave you with about tabernacles. And next week we'll have a little bit uh, more understanding about tabernacles and the eighth day. I want you to look at Deuteronomy 16. It's on page 221. As we were reading a while ago, it says to bring a burnt offering and a grain offering. And you remember a burnt offering is uh, the offering of the lamb where Jesus was sacrificed, that he was our burnt offering, that peace was made between you and God, that you could come into the presence of God. He has settled the wrath. And then the grain offering is a thanksgiving offering. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the other offering that it mentions is a free will offering, that you can bring a free will offering. So on page 221, Deuteronomy 16, and I want to start in um, verse 13. It says, you shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days, and when you have gathered from the threshing floor and from your wine press. By the way, this season was a season of fruit harvest, primarily grapes, but uh, pomegranates and, and uh, apples. and So it was a fruit harvest, and they were bringing in the grapes for the wine press. And it says in verse 14, And you shall rejoice in your feast, and your son with your daughter, and your male servant, and your 
female servant and the Levite and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates. So it is saying everybody in your household, everybody you have authority over, you should come and rejoice with them in this time. And we're going to teach a little bit more on that. And then it says, verse 15, Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hand so that you may surely rejoice. So God is going to bless what you do in, in, in your work of your hands that you may rejoice. And I want you to listen to that rejoice because we're going to teach on it in just a second. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place in which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as is he is able, according to the blessings the Lord your God at which he has given you. Okay, so three times a year, the children of Israel were called to go to Jerusalem to celebrate these feast times. And it was unleavened bread, and that was the spring, representing the spring feast, so Passover unleavened bread first fruits they had to go to uh, to Jerusalem to the tabernacle and then uh, feast of weeks which is Pentecost they had to go and then feast of tabernacles which represents all three of the fall feast which is um, trumpets day of atonement tabernacles and really the eighth day and they would go to Jerusalem but every time they went, it said, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. So this place of being empty-handed was very uh, powerful in that they understood this. They had to bring a free will offering, a place where God has blessed the work of your hands that you might could give to someone else. It's an offering that comes three times in the year. And I always love asking the Lord where he would like for us to give our free will offering. And so this week, I want you to be able to have time to be praying about that. And then you'll have this week, and then the next week will be seven days of tabernacle. So you can see where the Lord might actually allow you to give an offering out of the things he's given you, the blessings that he's given you. It says uh, in verse 17, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessings, the blessing, the Lord your God, which he has given you. So, this is not your tithe. This is not your money that you're putting in the back in the church um, tithe box. Uh, it is separate from that. Now, you, if God tells you to give your offering to 
the church, then I'm not here to say you can't do that. But I believe the Lord is stretching us to look outside of our church to somebody who needs has a need, or maybe somebody inside our church but has a need. And this is a place that God is calling us to really bow before him and to listen of where we're supposed to give. And what that's supposed to look like. I think this can be beyond being financial. I think it is primarily a place because God talks about this place of blessings. But I think it can also be if God says to you, you're supposed to go mow somebody's yard, I think that can be a, a place of a free will offering. Anna. I haven't ever had the Lord ask me to go mow somebody's yard, so I don't know too much about that. But, but I think there are places that he's going to call us to be giving because he has blessed us. And in this place of tabernacles coming right off of the hills of Day of Atonement, I see this place of rejoicing in the blessing of covering us and day of atonement is a place of coming and truly joining into the place he's talking about of rejoicing so I think I'm telling you this year I saw it so clearly this morning that I felt like the rejoicing and the free will offering go hand in hand so God didn't require that they brought this offering this free will offering other than he said you, sh you, can, you should bring a free will offering. But he doesn't tell them how much it needs to be or how it needs to look or any of that. It's up to you to come before the Lord and truly pray and see where he would move in your heart to align with this scripture. Now, I want to go back to Leviticus 23. So back on page 140 where you had your marker. And I want to close with this understanding over over this over this feast of tabernacles. So in verse 40 on page 140 as we're reading about how to celebrate tabernacles, let's read here and it says and you shall take for yourself on the first day the fruit of the beautiful trees, the branches of palm, and the boughs of the leafy trees, and the willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So when we get to Kathy and Bill's, we will bring the lulavs, and we will be able to uh, enjoy that place of, of rejoicing for seven days. But this place that I want to talk about, this place of rejoicing. So he talks about it here. And then, um, let me see, I want to give you a couple of more scriptures. I thought it mentioned it one more place, and I've lost it. Let me see if it's... Okay, I've lost it right this minute. Maybe it'll come back here in just a minute. Oh, um, no, that's not it. 
Well, he does talk about rejoicing in one other place. If I find it, I'll give that scripture to you, but apparently I didn't write it down. But he does talk about this place of rejoicing. So I wanted to leave with you uh, this understanding about rejoicing. And so if you will turn with me to Philippians 13, page 1351. Thirteen fifty one. It's Philippians four. And I love this understanding. Um, a few years ago, I think he showed us. We've taught on this. Daniel's done an amazing job teaching on these um, understandings in Philippians. But let's look at this from our understanding as we talk about the feast. And uh, starting in verse 3, it says, And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So the, he talks about this place of the book of life. Tabernacles is a place where it is a celebration of what happened at Feast of Trumpets that the books would be opened and that your name would either be written in the book of life or it would not be. And so it comes in alignment with that as we celebrate tabernacles that those who are all of Israel are going to be in the book, uh, book of life. And so he's saying whoever is in the book of life that you should be uh, supporting those people, you should be encouraging those people, and you should be uh, joining in with those people. But then in verse 4 it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. This place of coming in thanksgiving and rejoicing. Bless you. Tabernacles, Feast of Tabernacles, is a time of thanksgiving. If there's anything we want to remember about tabernacles, it is a time of rejoicing and it is a time of thanksgiving. In fact, many scholars believe that when Christopher Columbus and uh, the pilgrims came to the United States, that they had not been able to celebrate. They were Jewish. Most of them were Jewish. Christopher Columbus was Jewish. They had not been able to celebrate God's feast because they'd been on the water. But when they arrived here and they got settled, they had a um, time together with the Native Americans, and they celebrated in this place of thanksgiving. Now, the day has been moved. It was not in November originally, but rather was in the fall time of the year, In they believe was in the seventh month. And so it is believed that thanksgiving was originally Feast of Tabernacles. Isn't that amazing? 
So understanding that helps us to understand how to celebrate our Thanksgiving, but it helps us to understand tabernacles. It's a place of coming and being thankful for all that God is giving us has given us and a place of rejoicing so he talks about rejoicing throughout this place and I want to give you um, one more place let's see Colossians 3 it's on page 1354 Colossians 3 verse 15 It says, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing with grace in, and grace in your heart to the Lord. So this place of being thankful, and then in verse 17 it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this place of being thankful, Paul writes about it many, many times, and I believe that his heart is understanding the fullness of Feast of Tabernacles in this place of coming and being thankful Our closing scripture today is going to be on um, page 1413 in Revelation 7. Starting in verse 9. John writes, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 
Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in, the, in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell, will tabernacle among them. And they shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd and lead shepherd them and lead them to the to living foundations of water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes I pray that this week will be a week of solemn rest complete rest as you come and seek the Lord to show you the things that he does want to be cleansed from you that you might come rejoicing and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles on Friday night. Please stand with me as we sing a, a great song of praise to the Lord. Thank you.
small